We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh. Most times, we go deep, and today is no different. With me is Sharon D, Lazy Gardener on Instagram. Today we have a very special guest. You know her as Tess on Fear the Walking Dead. She's also Becky Travis on Amazon Prime Videos Vindication, Debbie in the short film Malignant, and Margot in the award-winning short film The Debt. Peggy, welcome so much and thank you for being here. Hello, I am really excited to be here with you all. Thanks for asking me. Thank you for coming, Peggy. And um, I also want to take a minute to thank you for always coming to our live games and participating in things with us. It really makes it special that you take the time to come and hang out with us. And I mean, every it just makes everybody so excited. I think I've told you before, uh, my husband and I have been fans of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead for years. But to see how enthusiastic you all are and, and just how much y'all love the shows, your knowledge of the shows is just amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen to the trivia things and Kevin, who he knows the shows even better than I do, sits in the background and we're listening to the questions and I'm looking at him and, and y'all get it. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, and then you say it and we're like, yes, yes, we need to go back and rewatch that because there, there's so many little details that, that most people miss, but you all catch them. It's awesome. That's right, Eagle Eye Sharendy over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peggy, during our research, we found out that your father is actually a sixth generation casket maker. He makes special cut down caskets to fit in the New Orleans tombs. What really caught our eye is that some of these caskets actually showed up in a little film called Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So my grandfather, great-grandfather, going back many generations, have been casket makers in Ohio and then in New Orleans. And in New Orleans, they have to bury people above ground because it's too wet to bury them in the ground. So, um, so the tombs are, are, are concrete or brick, and the older tombs are smaller because people used to be smaller. So in order to bury people in the same old tombs, they need smaller caskets for, for people. But years ago, uh, my father was approached because he's a casket maker by someone in the movie industry saying, you know, we're looking for someone to make some coffins for the film, Interview with a Vampire. So dad pulls out a napkin and he starts scribbling down what he thinks a vampire coffin should look like. <laughs> These people come to his office and he's sitting there behind his desk and they pull out blueprints what these coffins are supposed to be. And he said he took his little napkin and he put it back under the desk. <laughs> but yes, he built, he built some of the caskets for Interview with a Vampire. And then after they finished filming, he bought two of them back. And for years, for Halloween, he would have them out on the front lawn and my brother would be in them. And, uh, <laughs> and we'd go to the casket company and play hide and seek between the caskets and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so cool. So you actually had a couple of caskets from the movie. It was after I had already gotten married so and moved cool. away, so I didn't get to participate <laughs> in that. But, you know, they put my little brother in there. <laughs> you were in Sisters Under the Sun by Paulette McDougall, where you played Verena Davis, who is Jefferson Davis's wife. She was very well educated and very outspoken. Uh, what was it like to explore her character, and what did you take away from that role? I love history. I've done a lot of my own family history research. And so being able to portray a, a real life person and to delve into their life 
it, I find it so interesting because the history that you get in school just touches the surface and you only see the, the most famous people. And Verena Davis's husband was famous, but a lot of people did not know her. What I found so interesting about her, she had a tragic life. She was really from the North and at a very young age, she married this older man and he was not very faithful to her. Then he became the president of the Confederacy. So everyone from the North hated her because she was the wife of the president of the Confederacy. And everyone in the South hated her because she was really from the North. And, and then she went through tragedy after tragedy with losing, losing babies and finally had children and her children, she lost so many of them and then struggling through the war. And so I think a lot of people look back in history and, and can easily judge somebody when they don't know much about them. But the more you know about someone and what their life truly was like. And yes, as you said, she was outspoken. She came out after the war, she was afraid to say anything while her husband was alive. But when he died, he, she came out and said, the right side won the war because she, she really didn't believe in slavery, but she couldn't do anything. She was a woman. And for a woman in, the, in those times, you're so limited. Right. I mean, you had to do what your husband said. And, but she was really outspoken and, and jovial and fun, even though she had all these tragedies. So getting to play her was really something very special to me. In the play, um, it's a three-woman show. It is based on a true story of a woman in Virginia uh, named Elizabeth Van Lu who during the Civil War, her family owned slaves. They were not allowed to free them, but she did not believe in slavery, but she educated her slaves. And when Verena Davis lost one of her house slaves, Elizabeth Van Lu loaned her a slave who was believed to be illiterate, but really she could read. And she would go into Jefferson Davis's office and read the documents that were coming in and they would pass this information to the North. And it wasn't until I think it was the 1980s or 1990s that these two women were recognized for the espionage they did during the Civil War. Because, you know, you would think that women didn't contribute, but they were there, they were contributing. Mm. So it's a really interesting story. But Three Women Show, and, and in it, I had a monologue that lasted 17 minutes. And then between scenes, we had a 12-member African-American choir that would sing spiritual. So it's, it's a great show. It's still out there. I'm hoping that, that more and more people will be interested in Sisters Under the Skin wow. and, and have more productions of that. And we caught some of that 17-minute monologue, too. Was, that was, was amazing. Yeah. Did you see the recreation of it or, or the stage version? A little bit of both, actually. Uh -huh. I think we, okay. we saw the recreation first, and then we found the, the stage uh -huh. version. Sharon D and I watched a music video by Missio, Can I Exist, that you produced. Um, yes. It won a few awards, including Best Music Video at the Urban World Film Fest, also the Audience Award at the New Orleans Film Fest. Can you tell us, what was it like making a video with such a powerful statement behind it? The person who, who came up with the concept and who directed it is named Jeff Ray. I absolutely love his work. He does a lot of music videos, but he really needs to be making narrative films. I keep telling him that. But he's friends with the, with the guys in the band Missio. And he had had this idea to make a music video that's based on the Baltimore race riots of 1968. And, and that's the setting of it. But really the meaning behind it is that children are not born knowing how to hate. Children are born wanting to love. And the only way they learn hate is if they're taught how to hate. And that is really the, the meaning behind it. I had worked with Jeff on a couple of other things. And when he asked me to help with this, I was absolutely on board with it. It was really emotional sometimes when we were filming it. Some of the, the scenes in it and, and, you know, and Jeff would prepare everyone for what we were going to be doing and it, and it was tough. But, but I think and everywhere that we've shown it, because it went to many festivals, lot, won lots of awards. 
but you know the best thing is it was just to get people to see and the song it's the band is missio the song is um can i exist and it's it's out there you can watch it to see the audience reaction to feel the reaction to what they're seeing just is 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 wonderful what bugs us so much is that over the years since we made that there have been so many times that we feel the need to repost it oh you know because yes. this, these things yes. are still yes. happening so so our, our hope is that one day you'll say oh remember when things used to be like that and they're not like that anymore that, that would be wonderful yeah to have to watch it as a reminder yeah. instead of a warning would be incredible yes, exactly and it is yes, yes. very emotional to watch i mean i i yeah, definitely we, choked up hearing the song and there's this oh yeah Ooh, it hits you and in, in a big oh, theater yeah. imagine yeah. seeing that on a big screen in a theater with that. Uh, you told us a little something special about the lead actor in that uh video yeah. as well henry j smith the third Henry J. Smith III, who, who played the lead in that, in, in the Missio Can I Exist music video, I show up on set one day for um, for fear, and Henry's there. And I'm like, Henry, what are you doing here? He's, he's Coleman stand-in. He's working as Coleman stand-in. And I knew, just working in the Austin film industry, I'm being on set, I would see so many different people in the crew that I knew and that I worked with, and people working as background extras. And, and so that was one of the really cool things about, about being on fear. But then I think, you know, there's some of these people that I see working as stand-ins, working as background, who I know are such talented actors and saying, hey, check him out. He's really, really good. You know, give, give him a big role. Uh, I'd love to be able to say things like that. I love it when, when universes come in together like that, these different parts of your life all kind of coming together through these the different actors. That's, that's so cool. You recently directed your first short film, Lori's Poem. Um, is directing an avenue that you want to explore further? And what do you like about it? And what do you not like about it? I really enjoyed directing. I would love to get to do it again someday. The producing part of it, of planning and preparing ahead of time is, is a lot of work. But I felt that when once we started to shoot, oh my goodness, it was, it was just a wonderful collaborative process because I had some really wonderful people that I was working with. In fact, a few of the people that were on my crew for Laurie's poem are people who've worked on fear. The Greensmen, uh, there, there are people on fear who, who specifically go look for poison ivy and, and, and people who look for snakes and to keep areas clear um, when, we're, when we're working out in, in nature. So I had some of those guys who, who helped me out with that. <laughs> the whole story behind it, Laurie Coker is a friend of mine I've worked with on stage in a few different productions and on different films, but she is an autobiographical poet. We did Laurie's poem when she was about 75 years old. And this is a poem that she wrote about something that happened to her when she was about 12 years old, when she knew her mom was the meanest person on earth. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, something your mom did. And then when you grow up, you realize, no, she's not, and, you know, she wasn't really trying to be cruel. When a lot of people look at it and go, wow, she really was. But it's a different time and in a rural area and things were done differently. But just being able to, to work with these people in Avi Lake is the, the girl who plays young Lori. She is um, on a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. And she's got something else coming up that I, I worked with her on. So can't say much about that, but um, we'll see. So, uh, I to work with her with some really fun young people just before everything shut down, but working with, with industry friends to, to create something and, and bring Laurie's poem. And in the, in the poem, she narrates it and she plays her own grandmother. Oh, wow. Also, she's going to she's going to be showing up on Vindication season two. So, oh, exciting. Yeah. 
So lot, lots of that. coming together. <laughs> Just last night, actually, Sharendi and Rebecca Punch and I watched your short film, uh, Malignant, where you play a cancer patient alongside Nick Stevenson, who was also your co-star in The Debt. Now, you guys had very different roles in each of these short oh, films. Yeah. <laughs> how, <laughs> how was that uh, dynamic for you guys, you know, kind of changing the dynamic between the two of you? That's what we love to do, you know, as actors. You just love to just come up with a different character and, and work together and, and play together. Chris Dickinson wrote that. He's a friend of mine, and I've done a few different things with him before, but he just has this amazing... He's a young African-American, and he has written some of the best things for me as an older Caucasian woman. And I'm like, how do you understand? <laughs> and it, it's, he's just so good. But one day he just called me out of the blue and he said, Peggy, I know this may sound weird, but I was thinking about you and I pictured you as a hit woman. And so I wrote, I wrote a film. Can we go ahead and film it next weekend? And I was like, okay. So literally within a week and a half, we pulled together people. We shot it at my daughter's house, which was uh, being renovated. So it was okay to get blood everywhere. And pulling together crew, he said, can you get, can you get cast members? And uh, Nick also works as an acting coach. And he was my coach at the time. And I just asked him, I said, would, would you come out and, and do this film with us? And he said, yeah. And I said, and, and we need someone to be your wife. And he said, oh, I wanna, I've always wanted to work with Samantha Ireland. And, and I've worked with her since then and just absolutely love her. But that's where we met, just saying, you know, let's pull together other actors and let's, let's create something. And so when we were doing Malignant, uh, I knew Morgan and Nick, who were the, the creators of this, from when they were UT film students. And when they were going to create it, the character that I play is, is based on his mother and a little bit of her mother. And they asked me if I would, if I would play this. Then they sent me a little note and they said, don't, do you know Nick Stevenson? I said, oh yeah. And they said, can you, can you ask him? Because his character is based on a real person also who happens to be Australian and he is Australian. Wow. So it was perfect. Yeah, and so I, I contacted him. I said, I said, would you be interested in being a cult leader? And he said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's going to be a funny conversation. Oh, my goodness. He was an amazing cult leader. <laughs> These short films that you do, I mean, it's amazing to me what an impact they have in such a short amount of time. Some of these shorts hit me in ways that full-length films don't. For Morgan and Nick, to have this film premiere at South by Southwest is just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. But to also win a jury award for it is great because, you know, they really hope to be able to make a feature out of it. So oh. that, that they'll be able to expand oh, to turn it into a so feature. Oh, so good. About what you're saying about short films, my husband and I love to go to film festivals, but we like to go to the, the smaller film festivals. The big ones are, are really crowded and, and they, they're more expensive, but there's some little small towns in Texas and all over the place that host film festivals. And our favorite is to go watch blocks of short films. And Kevin will say, the best thing that he likes about short films is that if you're starting to watch it and you don't like it, it won't take very long. And if you do like it, then you know, yeah. like, oh, that was great. And you move on to the next one. So I great. would recommend anybody <laughs> find out about short films, about not, film, not short film festivals. There are some that are only shorts. But film festivals, local, smaller town film festivals, and support filmmakers by going to see their work and, yeah. and, and 
it's fine. We have an annual film festival here in my town called Hell's Half Mile. And uh -huh. honestly, and I know some of the people in charge of it, and I'm going to I'm gonna do whatever I can to get some of your shorts entered <laughs> into the festival because, yeah, they, they yes. need to be shared. So Peggy, has working behind the camera, directing, casting, producing, does that have any effect on how you perform in front of the camera? Absolutely. Because I started acting professionally later in life at first with a lot of film students at, at the University of Texas. And I kind of felt like I was learning right along with them. But every position that you work in on a film set is a learning experience. Everything you do with, with production is a learning experience that you use. And I've definitely taken all of that and, and put it into my actor tool, toolbox. And mm -hmm. it helps me performing in front of the camera and knowing how to do things. And with independent film, Everybody is kind of works together and you wear lots of different hats. But then when you step on a big set, like fear, everyone has their specific, specific position and you just, mm -mm, if it's not your job, you don't do it. And so I was on a, on an independent film set this past Tuesday and in between takes, I would just, you know, I would take and move the props back and put them props where they belonged. And the AD came over and he says, he says, no, I can do that for you. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Certain sets you do that. Certain sets you just don't touch anything. And, and you got to learn the hard way or do they tell you ahead of time? Oh, poor people know. And, and then with you, there's, there's, there's armorers. There's, there's specific people that you have to return your weapons to between takes. So there's this props and then there's the guns and the knives and all the different weapons that specific people are in charge of. Being an actor who also directs, do you, do you find it easier to direct other actors? Do you find it easier to convey what you want from an actor? Well, I haven't directed very much. I've worked as an assistant director, which really just supports the director. The only one thing that I have directed was I worked mainly with, with Avi, but I also worked with, with a five-year-old, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, I will tell you another a story about another five-year-old. Right Way back when I was first starting, I was working on a, on a student film, playing the mom, and there was a little five-year-old girl who was playing my daughter. The film is called Lucky Penny. She finds a penny. And when you plant a penny in the garden, what grows? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Of course. Of course. Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> of but this little girl, she came to set and she was just this typical little five-year-old just bouncing around and playing and everything. But the moment the director called action was like, poof, she was this amazing little professional. And I thought, this little girl is going somewhere. That little girl is McKenna Grace. I don't know if you're familiar with McKenna Grace, but she's sounds well, familiar. She's be in, in the upcoming Ghostbusters. She's on Young Sheldon. Young, yeah. Okay. Ghostbusters, Young Sheldon. Handmaid's Tale. Yes. She's going to be in Handmaid's Tale. So that little five-year-old <laughs> has grown into this amazing wow. actress. And I, I mean, just watching her on set when she was that little, I was like, oh, wow. She is so good. So <laughs> you could see it. You knew where she was yeah. headed. Yeah. She has no idea where I am, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, <don't know> <laughs> I just want to jump back to fear and malignant really quick. While you were filming malignant, they were prepping that same area for Lawton. Yes. So yes. did you see anything? In, was there anything really interesting going on? I mean, what, what kind of prep were they doing? They were painting the sides of buildings that I'm like, that side of that building was fine. Why do they need to paint that? But they have their reasons for what they're doing. And, but just seeing them, you know, checking things out and trying to figure out. And then, and then the, I think one of the directors came through and, and they were looking for where they were going to be shooting different things. But yeah, to be there at that, yeah. that same place while they were doing that was pretty cool. <laughs> and in fact, cool. the, the man who, who owns the location was telling me that Fear was going to be filming there. And then also there's another show called Panic that was filming in Austin about that same time. And so he told me, he says, 
we have malignant fear and panic. He's <laughs> kind of wonder about what kind of films we make around here. What's going on? What's going on in Texas? <laughs> on your YouTube channel, there is a clip of you doing the monologue, uh, Eileen Warnos's monologue from Monsters. Yes. You don't shy away from gritty roles like mm-hmm. Tess, like Margot in The Debt. Is there something in that kind of role that appeals to you? As an actor, the most interesting thing you can do is to play something that's just completely different from yourself. And, and I've played lots of happy moms. And, and I love to, I love to. Please give me more roles of anything. Um, but really, to, to play the villain, there, there's another um, pilot that's called Sky Vault that I play the head of the resistance movement. And she is just a strong, you know, tough, get it done kind of lady. And I just I love that. I don't know if you saw Honor Student. I saw the trailer. It looks so good. So that's yes. a short film. And it's pr- pretty much the whole thing is, is almost just me. And there's no dialogue. And yeah, it's... The trailer looked amazing. The guys who created that, it's Paper Street Pictures, Aaron Kuntz. He has two films right now that are on Shudder. He he does horror. We shot it in uh, Brackenridge Hospital, the same hospital where they shot uh, several episodes of of Fear from season four. So I did a short film, Honor Student, with them years ago. And now every time they're making, now they're making these feature films and they'll just say, Peggy, can you you come out and and have a little role in it? And they kill me every time. It's like, how are you going to kill me this time? And that's what he says. He says, you know, it's nice to kill your friends in your movies. So that's what he does. Good stress relief. <laughs> yes, yes. And in fact, uh, Corey Hart, who plays uh, Raleigh, is, is Raleigh. in some of Paper Street's pictures too. Yeah. Peggy, can you tell us about the Eleanor Rigby Christmas video you did for the Austin's Gateway Community Church's production of Let It Be Christmas? They were putting on a, a production that was part live on stage and then part in video. And I had worked with them on a few other things that they had done. They, they, they create their own content that they use within the church. And I had done some things with them for that. And so they asked me to do that. But we drove far, way up in, in northeast Texas to this old historic church which with the cemetery next to it that was just so perfect for that. The scenery was beautiful it in was. the video. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Now, is there any place we can find the full production of Let It Be Christmas? I could pop that up on my YouTube channel. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I mean, just that one little clip was, yeah. I mean. But it was, it was really part of a, of a, a much bigger production with, with, you know, real actors on, live actors on stage. And that was really just a smaller clip of, of the whole thing. Now it's time for fear stuff. This is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Whatever I can say. Um, <laughs> who was your favorite character on fear other than Tess? And who is your favorite universe character? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. <laughs> and you're going to like this because I'm going to say June. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's, she's gone through so much, but she is such a strong person. And also, I just love Jenna. But then again, everybody. I mean, everybody on the show. They're just such kind and friendly and warm, welcoming people to, to work with. Or Morgan. <laughs> In the whole universe. I'll think about it. I might come back to that if it pops into my head. Okay. All right. This is a fan question. This is from Tyler Philip Cox. He also has a um, po- uh, a Walking Dead podcast called Let's Talk About the Dead. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh, his question for you is, if Tess could cross over to the main show, who would you want her to have scenes with? Ooh, 
Oh, wow. I want to be with Carol. <laughs> she is awesome. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tess and Carol blowing stuff up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. But she's such a loner. I don't know if she'd even want anybody else around. <laughs> I'm glad that there's going to be some editing. <laughs> yes, oh. definitely some editing. Yes. Peggy, how did you land the role of Tess? I auditioned for it. Um, <gasps> when shows are on location, they usually have a casting director in Los Angeles or New York for the bigger roles. And then they'll have a local casting director. And actually, the local casting director for Fear is not actually in Austin. They cast it out of Atlanta. But I was asked to audition for an, another role that I did not get. And then was asked to, to audition for this one. It wasn't even, they, have, they give you a different name. They give you a scene to do that is not the same scene. Some of the same names and some of the kind of similar things happening. But yeah, I think it was like a seven-page audition. I love doing that scene. My acting coach, Maurice Moore, helped me with that. He's the one who I was just on set with on this past Tuesday. He coached me through it and, and, and videotaped it, and we sent it in. But, you know, as an actor, I, I always say that I'm, I'm a professional auditioner because that's, you know, what I do more than anything else is audition. And I, I've, I know you do the audition, you turn it in, and you forget about it. Mm. And so I did, and I turned it in, and I forgot about it. And a few days later, I get a text from my agent asking me, you know, for availability for certain dates. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> he says, it means, it means they're, they're really interested in you. I said, oh. I said, well, I'm not going to get myself too excited. He says, no, actually, I think, I think you really got this. And I was like, okay, don't, don't be excited. Don't be excited because, I, you know, you never know. If at the last second you're, you're going to miss out on it. As I said, you know, my husband and I have been fans of the show for years. So to show up on set and be there with everyone, I think Kevin at home texting me was geeking out even more than I was. He kept sending me texts. And I would say, I'm sitting next to Lenny. And he's like, ah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just talking to everyone. So, so kind and friendly. I think one of my favorite things of that that very first night we were we were filming that the pad thai dinner around the fire my very first night i had my little monologue to do i'm used to working on independent film where there's you know maybe 20 people not 300 people <laughs> well, it's a little intimidating but it was okay we were standing around waiting while they were setting things up and they brought in another van of actors who had gone through hair and makeup when we were ready and who starts walking up but austin emilio and you know austin is from austin and I knew him before he, before he landed his role on, on The Walking Dead. And he starts walking up and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, are you on this? I said, yeah, that's awesome. And he came over and gave me a big hug. And that was, that was really, gave me, gave me that little boost of confidence and energy to, to you know. Okay. So it really is a family on set, isn't it? It really is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the makeup trailer is the most fun spot. Hair and makeup. Everybody just has a good time in there. Rebecca Punch is asking, uh, I really want to know who else you auditioned for. They changed the names. So I don't know oh. for sure. <laughs> but I think it was for Doris. Oh, Doris. Who was played by Michaela Gibson. And Michaela, uh, her husband, Yake Smith, is a UT film professor. He teaches a directing class. Students have to pick a scene and then find actors to perform the scene and they have to direct it. 
and you go in front of the classroom and, and they practice their directing skills. And he's also makes films and things too. But even since then, they were making a film and asked, two different films, they asked me to, to come out and just do tiny little roles with them. But it was it was great to get to, to work with her and be on set with her because I've known her yeah. for a while. We have another fan question from Jessica on Instagram, at JessicaCatCause. She'd like to know, did you come up with a, a deeper backstory for Tess besides what was provided? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that? Can we, can we know? <laughs> if it ever comes true, I'll, I'll share it. But but there was, even, there was even one day on set that I had Ian's ear and just would, told him what I had thought. And he, was, he turned and looked at me and he said, that's interesting. So, <laughs> hmm. oh, so he liked what he heard. <laughs> but who knows there, well, there's so many characters and so many things going on so. well I hope we get uh, a little bit more of her backstory you know if it's your version or theirs or I like knowing where all these characters came from I kind of think of a few different friends of mine in Texas who own ranches out in the hill country because that's what I figure is, is that Tess and Ben you know own this ranch and when things went bad they decided let's go out and live on the ranch that part I can tell. Another fan question. This is from Brian Castrillo on Instagram, at BC Castrillo. Can you tell us some of your favorite behind the scenes moments? When we were filming on that bridge, when the truck is stuck and the truck won't move and Virginia's coming with her people, we were out there for a few days. It was about 103 degrees. It had to be Coleman who started it because Coleman, Coleman would do things like this. And he just breaks out into song. He just starts singing. And, you know, Tom was the one who had the problem, fell off the bridge. The bridge broke. Tom fell. Y'all have seen that. So he starts singing about Tom. And just about everybody <laughs> gathers around and just this impromptu made up song about Tom, get off the bridge. Oh my goodness, that was, that was fun. I think I remember seeing that video before a, a few times. It's yep. definitely made its way around. That's yeah. hilarious. I love how much fun everyone's having. And then, <laughs> then there, was, there was one day that uh, we were walking up a hill and then we'd walk back down the hill and then we'd walk up the hill and then we'd walk back down the hill and then we'd walk back up the hill. I had been into wardrobe for, for one of the episodes and they, they told me that I was going to have a big rifle. And I was like, okay. And they even brought in a big rifle to make sure it looked right with, you know, with the clothes I was wearing. And I got to set and they gave me this little pistol. And I was like, what happened to my rifle? I want the big rifle. So the next time I was on set, the armorer came over and he handed me this big rifle. And he said, Peggy, I lobbied for you. I got you your big rifle. And that's the day that we walked up that hill and down that hill and up that hill. And down that hill. <laughs> no strap. I'm like, why did I ask for this big rifle? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's oh my gosh. so we all climbed into into vans and, and everybody was in vans but it's just the kids are playing games and everybody was talking and just a great great group of people really david carranza on instagram at comic book boy underscore asks who is the funniest on set oh that's tough <laughs> mo is right up there at the top of the list mo and and, and daryl and, and coleman and you can tell the people who come from a musical theater background, you know, those people who break into song. Um, <laughs> I can just set in a van and they'll start singing or quoting something. Or, In fact, that, that very first night sitting around the campfire, and it, it was, was not funny, but it was just something that really struck me. Everybody's sitting around the campfire, and all of a sudden Coleman breaks out into this, I, I do believe it was a Shakespearean monologue, and it was just like, <laughs> 
It was so good. We have a question here in the chat from Nisa. She's at WTF Nisa on Instagram. Do you have a favorite quote or line from your character or any other character on the show? Ah. Hmm. I can't think of any from another character. What I would say about for Tess, although she had been locked up for, for years in that house, when finally Morgan gets her to come out, it's because she wants to help other people. And uh, I thought was 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 nice. It's like, no, no, I want yeah. to, I want to help. I really love that that's kind of the theme of Fear the Walking Dead is helping people. For season four and five, that is the whole basis of the show is they want to help people. Yeah. As opposed to the main show where it's just, let's just kill everybody. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's one of the reasons I like Fear so much more is it's much more actually of a hopeful, upbeat show. It was absolutely awesome to watch zombies being blown up in the front yard. I mean, there was guts <laughs> yeah. raining down on everybody. Like, watch out! More blood! <laughs> More blood! I have another fan question. This is from Katie on Twitter. She's I am no one on Twitter. How did it feel joining the cast, knowing that the main show and the Walking Dead universe was so huge? Not just that it's huge, but that we're fans of the show. My husband and I, when I say we, we already knew so many of the characters and the story and just to become part of that, that's, it's dreamlike. To be able to step into the, into, you know, what you've been watching on TV all this time. It's like, I'm stepping into that. So yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. I've really, really enjoyed getting to do that. The Walking Dead universe fans are very vocal and very passionate. Yes. Was oh that a little bit of, <laughs> was that a little bit of a shock and a surprise when you came into the fandom? I, I loved it. Yeah. I was like, hey, you know, I'm just this little character and, but you know, and then people were drawing pictures of me and stuff. So that was, that was so cool. I'm really hoping one day to get to one of the conventions, you know, they all shut down right after I was on it. So, yeah, but, but to get to meet the fans, I, I would love to get to do that. I think Sharon D would agree that there are no small roles on this show. We love everyone equally across the board and every, every single character is important. We have another fan question from Dane Russell at Dane Russell on Instagram Maybe? asks, what's your favorite movie of all time and why? My favorite series that I love to watch is Outlander. <laughs> I read all the books years ago, and so I've really gotten into that. As I said before, historical things I really get into. In your opinion, what will ultimately cause the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> Didn't we come close to living that this past year? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> as close as I ever want to come to it in real life, you know? Because, oh, yeah. We came pretty close. We did but, come pretty close. at least close. when you're doing Very it on, on, on film, you know, they can make it look like I know how to shoot a gun <laughs> <you know? laughs> and actually hit someone. In that short film, The Debt, oh my goodness, and I shoot that gun. I am such a good aim. But the truth is, I had trouble just cocking the gun. Every time I had somebody come up and help me cock gun. But as soon as that start again, I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right back into yeah. it, let's yeah. Just, let's just pretend oh, the zombie it. apocalypse, the corona apocalypse was bad enough. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. Yeah, we'll keep the zombie apocalypse in fiction where it belongs. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? Everybody should check out Peggy. Follow her on all of her social media platforms at PeggyShot.me on Instagram. 
at Peggy Shaw underscore me on Twitter. Check her out on YouTube where you can find clips of her award-winning short films <laughs> like The Debt, the music video for Missio, Can I Exist, and Mary Lee. You can find links to all of those clips down here in our description as well. Peggy, thank you so much for being here, giving us your time. We appreciate it so much. Thank you all. It's been wonderful. Thank you for coming, Peggy. I appreciate it so much, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Peggy, before we go, is there anything that our followers need to know? Anything you've got coming out pretty soon? No, because there really hasn't been much going on this past year. Malignant, that just premiered at South By. I'm in a feature film that is premiering at the San Bernardino Film Festival mm. next week. It's called Addict Named Hal. It's based on the true story of the, the writer-director who was having uh, alcohol problems and her mother put her in a halfway house with mm. heroin addicts and, and what it was like for her and what all, all that she learned from that. I haven't even seen the full film yet, but the, the script was wonderful. We are currently filming season two of Vindication. It is a faith-based crime drama series. Season one is on Amazon Prime. It deals with very tough subject matters, really tough subject matters, but it does it in a way that there's no vulgar language, there's no nudity, there's no violence that you can see happening. So it's something that, that it's safe to watch with, with your teenagers and brings up things to talk about in a bit more of a safe environment, but it but definitely deals with, with tough modern day issues. Oh, and and the man who, who is the lead character in it, I play the, the wife of the lead character, and he is Todd Terry, and Todd Terry is now playing Lee on Fear the Walking Dead. So. <laughs> That's Nora. right. We met him in the office building with Nora. Yes, That's right. Ironic place. You know, <laughs> saving people from the Todd Terry. He's my husband in another thing. So. Worlds colliding. That's right. Worlds colliding. Yeah. I love it. Peggy, we hope that Tess uh, gets the upper hand in the second half of season six. <laughs> um, everybody, make sure you are watching out. Fear season, uh, the 6B will be out uh, April 11th. If you are on AMC Plus, you can watch it on April 4th. Again, thank you so much for being here, Peggy. Okay. Peggy. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>